Hello, hello, welcome, and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Today, as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Joe, and our good friend, John, is with us too. We also have a special guest on the call whose line of work is very crucial when it comes to the evolution and preservation of the footballing ecosystem, so to speak. But now that I've tried to sound smart and failed, Joe, in, uh, in just a minute or so, will be giving him a much less cryptic introduction. Before we do get to them, though, John, it's good to have you back on the pod with us. How have you been doing? Yeah, good, good. I've been, um, I suppose it's kind of now the, the normal lockdown routine where you, you know, go for a walk, uh, well, do your work from home, go for a walk, watch the football, go to bed, and then just do it over and over again until, <laughs> until it ends. So that's, that's been my uh, recent experience. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good to have you back. And I guess as long as this lockdown is going to continue, at least there is plenty of football for us all to watch. Joe, how are you? Hello, Kai. Yep, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, my routine is more or less exactly the same as John's, as I'm sure it is of most of the people uh, living in the UK at present. Um, But we are, of course... um, fortunate to be joined today by a, a really fantastic guest so um a big welcome to the show to um to luke or if you if you're on twitter aka griffin football luke is a scout for cheltenham town football club and he's also the co-founder of target scouting which is a website that focuses on the progress of young footballers from around the world and you could even hear him on his own podcast, which is the Anti-Football Podcast. And finally, much like all the best people in the world, Luke is a Spurs fan. So obviously I'm very happy about that. Luke, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm very much the same story. of stuck indoors and a walk being the highlight of my day. <laughs> yeah, I never thought I'd enjoy a walk as much, but even they're starting to get a bit boring now. But on to more exciting stuff. Now, Luke, um, we start every episode on the United Mates Football Podcast with, with an icebreaker question to our guests. So as we can see, actually, right now, you, you're sporting a, a rather impressive beard, I must say. But what I would like to know, Luke, is who is your favourite bearded footballer? Um, ooh, That's tough. Um, I mean, beards come and go, uh, but I guess my, my first thought was Xavi Alonso. Uh, he had a very nice beard during his time at Bayern Munich, and he, I think he still has it now, actually. Yeah, no, that's a good shout, actually. He did have a nice beard. Not always known for the beard, but when he brought it out, it, it worked for him. It was, it was a very classy beard. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> How about you, John? Who's your favourite bearded footballer? I've, I've thought a lot, and I was thinking of People like um, James Wozolowski, Wazala- is that how you say his name? Oh, well, Leicester. Yeah. yeah, that crazy geezer. He looked like he had a, a UFC kind of face, just battered and tall. <laughs> and, he had a, yeah. and he had the beard to go with it as well. But to be honest, it has to be Perlo because, you know. Yeah. Did he have a beard? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had a beard. <laughs> yeah, he definitely had a beard. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he was one classy guy that made that beard work but what about you Kai Any, anyone else to add to the mix I'm loving these these names I kind of like the Alonzo one because even though he wasn't a redhead he, it would kind of come out in his beard so I have to empathise with that otherwise John how have you you, you call him James his name is Marcin Wazilowski you just, call, you just called him James right? <laughs> <laughs> um, back to beards I would go with someone like maybe uh, Mila Yedinak 
who looked like something straight out of 300. Or um, back in the day, Gibral Cisse used to like dye his beard and put cool patterns in it. So those would be my guys. I don't know if any of you saw Adam Clayton when he played for uh, Huddersfield, had quite a kind of like um, Braveheart type beard and he dyed it blue and white um, in the Huddersfield colors. But moving away from, from bearded footballers uh, to a few more personal questions for you, Luke, about your, your scouting work. And um, you've held a couple of roles so far in your career. First at non-league club filed. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And then currently you're a scout for Cheltenham Town in League Two. So um, it's one thing for young players to establish themselves in the game. And that's something that you sort of actively play a role in, in fact. Um, but I'm sure that it's the same as far as upcoming scouts too, when it comes to establishing themselves. So how did you turn a passion for football into a profession in scouting? And then also what obstacles have you faced along the way as somebody starting out so early in the scouting game from such a relatively young age? Yeah, for, for, like a lot of other people, I started off writing online. Um, I was really interested in football. I wouldn't say I had that much like in-depth knowledge of it. And then, you know, I was at school, I was always quite good at maths. So it was always like a logical step that I was, the idea of trying to explain the game through numbers and data always was like really interesting for me. Uh, so that's how I really started, um, just getting involved through that and writing online, getting involved in Twitter, which I've uh, since become addicted to. And then... From there, I sort of moved away from the data side because you sort of get to the point where you're either a football guy or you're actually just a statistician and that's not what I wanted to do. And then, yeah, from there, it's a really saturated market like because there's such low barriers to entry. Anyone could be a scout, anyone can sit. Like People ask me, like, well, what do I need to do? Like, What software do you use? I was like, well, you need to watch a match and have a pen and paper. Like, It's a fairly simplistic thing to do at the end of the day. Um, but really, it's just about getting contacts at clubs, getting as much experience as possible and you know ev um everyone has to work for free at the start and um, that's just the way the scouting world works really so did you go from uh kind of gr grassroots football up because i know obviously modern scouting is almost completely different to the old school way of doing things um how would you give advice to young people who are trying to get into scouting literally with no experience do they literally have to go some like hackney marshes or is it more complicated than that or, or is it just all about networking and just showing up and showing your face it's definitely a mix of both i think i always say i get a lot of people message me uh, on twitter asking how to get involved in scouting and coaching my biggest thing is always networking is always going to help you getting any sort of role in football is going to be based on who you know um and i think a lot of people you know obviously you watch Premier league champions league and that's where they want to sort of start. And obviously that's great for practice and having a good knowledge of the game, but it's not really going to help you overall. So when I started out, I sort of, uh, I, I'm a Cheltenham Town fan as well. It's my hometown, um, which obviously who I work for as well now. Um, but I started off going to games uh, probably 2014, I think it was. Uh, so I would go to them every week. So I had a good, decent knowledge of League Two um, and also just went to non-league games. And it got to the point where I would literally just put in... Um, big scouting group chats which are really useful um i'd say oh you send a photo of the team sheet so this is the game i'm at and i might get a message from one or two clubs it could be clubs like crawley exeter would reply and say oh can you just let me know how this player does and maybe you write a couple of sentences maybe you send like a two-page report um but then you get feedback on that and you just build from there build from there um and it's just like getting that experience and so that's how i started really being like a freelance and just getting any work i possibly could Wow. 
No, that's um, that's very interesting. Sounds like you did some stuff for Exeter. I'm a I'm a bit of a fan of theirs as well. Hopefully, you sent some good players their way. But um, aside from the um, the scouting you're doing for Cheltenham, your hometown club, you're also, as I mentioned earlier, regularly writing for Target Scouting, and you're speaking on the um the anti football um podcast as well. So. What do you enjoy the most about each of these projects? And also, is there one that you ultimately prefer over the other? Um, Target Scouting was, um, we started last April, so right at the start of lockdown, and sort of our lockdown project. And it's gone a bit quiet in the last month or so. But so we sort of put pause on that a bit because um, me and Tom, who run it together, we're really busy uni work and he's about to go move to Spain for his year abroad for university. Um, so it's just not that ideal for us now. Whereas, um, during lockdown, it was really easy to produce loads of content. Um, Target Scouting, I really love because it's an idea I've sound for a while. Target Scouting is a great place to basically just collate, and I think of it as like a database, basically, of all the young players across Europe and South America to an extent. And the ideal plan for it was to, uh, in the long term, be like the go-to place if your club is linked to some uh, player from Belgium or Denmark, Norway that you you probably haven't heard of or ever seen. Um, maybe just know from football manager, then you can go to Target Scouting and see maybe two reports could be something really in-depth, could be like three or four short sorts of things. And then anti-football is um, only a couple of weeks old. Uh, it's me, me and Tom, some guy from Target Scouting, we do the podcast together. Uh, it's a Spurs and Newcastle podcast, uh, which we're really enjoying it doing at the moment. Um, it's just me and Tom spend all our time talking about football anyway, so it's just sort of made sense. Really is the next step. I mean, coming from the, the three of us who are all on a football podcast, we totally get, you know, speaking about football is a big thing. But it's time for a game now. And the game we're going to play is called Hawaii Witch Lads. So essentially, I'm going to give you, um, well, I'm going to ask you to guess the starting lineup from two games from the past. And the three of you will kind of get to do it together. And as it's the FA Cup fourth round this weekend at the time of recording. I thought I'd dig up some old fourth round matches. So this in this year, actually, Spurs are playing Wickham in the fourth round of the Cup. But back in 2017, Spurs also played Wickham in the fourth round of the Cup. So what I would like um, the three of you to do is to name me the starting lineup from Spurs when they played Wickham back in January 2017. Start with the goalie, I guess, but it wasn't wasn't Larice in goal. It was not Larice in goal, no. Okay. Uh, Gazaniga probably wasn't there yet. It was it was it was Michel Vorm. It was Michel Vorm, John. Correct. Nice. Okay. All right. Up front was back in 2017. Was Harry Kane playing? He didn't start by the looks okay. of things. Victor uh, Janssen would he be there by now? He was, but also, actually, even in this game, he doesn't seem to have made the cut to start, sadly. Okay. Urente's not there. Who the hell was playing up front? Okay. <laughs> well, that's you. I mean, you'll know who's up front. It might not be obvious right now, but feel free to, you know, discuss other okay. positions or work them out. I want to throw two names out real quick. I don't know if either okay. of them were still playing for Tottenham, but uh, George and Kudu and Clinton and G. So Nkudu was starting, so well done on that. I think Nji might have even been loaned out by this point, but you've okay. got Nkudu, well done. All right. All right. Warm and All right. This is a shout, okay? Josh Onoma. And it's such a good shout, John, because he was playing. He started. Hey. What position? 
he was it looks like he was playing just off the striker um sort of attacking mid role but actually he didn't seem to do that much so who knows <laughs> <laughs> was eric dyer playing he was so that's another one was eric lamella playing he wasn't it feels like the sort of game he should have been but he certainly wasn't <laughs> yeah, starting okay uh harry winks yeah winksy was starting at center mid uh, it was either Musa Dembele or Mohamed Sissoko playing. Sorry, uh, Musa Musa Sissoko. But yeah, Musa Sissoko was playing. Although, by the looks of um, BBC, he, uh, Musa was playing sort of as a right mid. Danny Rose playing? Nope, he wasn't playing. Ben Davies must have been left back. Yeah, Ben Davies was playing. Nice one. Keep going. But you've got one, two, three, four to get. Okay. Uh, um, Musa Trippier playing a right back. Yep, he was. So you've got the fullbacks. So you just need you need the two centre backs and then the striker. Was Dyer well, not playing a centre back? Dyer was the centre mid. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dyer and Winks was at centre mid. Okay. And um, so yeah, so I'm just looking for the guy who played up front on the day, and then the two centre backs. What I'll say is, both the centre backs aren't playing for Tottenham at the moment. Vertonghen, uh, mm. Vertonghen. No, nope. surely not. Really. No. Man. Uh, it's more rogue than Vertonghen. Foyth was there or he wasn't there? No, nah, no, this is pre Juan Foyth days. I think we might need some clues. So what so we've got um the, the so we'll go with the striker first. The striker, apart from Harry Kane, is one of the best players in the Premier League. Hunmin Song. There you go. So that's the that's the more easy one. Now the two centre backs is Kirito's one. No, one. no, no, he'd gone by this point. So we've got one Austrian centre half. Oh, and then Wimmer, Kevin uh, Wimmer. There we yeah. go. Son, Son Heung-min's best friend, Kevin Wimmer. And then finally, we have an American guy playing alongside him in one of his few oh, appearances. Cameron Carter Vickers. Ah, hallelujah. We got there. It was tough, but we managed it. So, as I said, fourth round FA Cup 2017 for Spurs happened to sort of coincide with this year. And weirdly enough as it is, on the same day Spurs played Wickham in 2017, Southampton played Arsenal at St Mary's. Um, and, and this, well, tomorrow I think Southampton play Arsenal again. So what I'm going to ask for you this time is for you guys to name me Arsenal's starting lineup from when they beat Southampton 5-0 in January 2017. Do you know what? I was there. There you go. So you've got to get it. <laughs> I, I was there with, with uh, a was friend of the Billy? podcast, Billy. Pro- yeah, yeah, with Billy. You spoke about we had, him on there. Yeah, on the FA Cup podcast. And was, uh, yeah, Ospina? we had quite a few drinks. So can you, yeah, uh, how much can you remember, John? That's the question. Was, was Ospina in goal? Yeah, there you go. Ospina was in goal. I mean, Theo Walcott got the hat trick. So yeah. Yeah, Walcott's there. Nice one. He's um, uh, Rob Holding playing. He is. So three out of three so far. Uh, uh Chambers? No, he wasn't. What about um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles? Yeah, he was playing in the midfield that day. Danny Welbeck up front. Yeah, there you go. Alexis? No, no, Alex was certainly not from the starting lineup. Okay, okay. Ooh, how about Coquelin? Was he there? No, he wasn't. <laughs> is Elmeny? No, again, he wasn't either. Okay. Um, was it a strong squad? I, yeah, it's a... It's I mean, a you were there, John. I know, I know. I'm trying to think back. Is um, it Ram- Ramsey, maybe? Is Ramsey? No, no. What what I'll say is, you say you've got Rob Holding. There's three defenders left for you to get, and two of them are still at the club. Is Ellerin? Is playing now? 
No Pelista, I'm afraid, Luke. Did you say Bellerin, Kaito? Yeah. Yeah, so he was at right back. So that leaves two defenders. One is still at the club, albeit he doesn't play much. And the other one left a few years ago. Uh, Mustafi. Yep, so Mustafi. That was the centre-back. So you just need... So you're, you're left with the left-back, two midfielders and the striker. Four people to go. Is Kieran Gibbs at left-back? Yes, good shout, Luke. He was. So this is when it starts... I think, yeah, it starts to get a bit trickier for these final three. You've got two midfielders and one striker, and they, they've all since left Arsenal. Is Giroud playing up front? He's not, no. Okay. Who scored? I know. It was Walcott free. Oh, Lucas Perez. Yeah, Kai. That's oh, a great, that's a great yeah, yeah. Gosh. He can't. He can't have started much, but he started this yeah. game. I'm going to demonetize um, this podcast right now by saying "fuck Lucas Perez." Anyway. <laughs> really? He had quite a good record at Arsenal, no? Uh, in terms of, I just doesn't games. sound like a brilliant guy. To be honest with you. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, okay. Lucas Perez aside, we've got two more midfielders to get. Not El uh, Jack Wilshire fit for this game? No. <laughs> so one of them, it, one of them has won the Premier League in recent years. Slash Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Yeah, there you go. And then the last one, I'm going to have to help you out a bit because it's probably the roguest guy in the team. Um, he shares something in common with Maitland Niles and Oxlade Chamberlain. Emil Smith Rowe. When it comes to his surname, it's not Smith Rowe. No, but you, you're sort of onto something. No, but you're onto something with um, double barrel. Double barreled. Oh, what? Who the is hell he, was that? Is he English? No, and he's doing very well, but in another league now. Is his name Jeff Wren Adelaide? Yes. Jeff oh, Wren Adelaide. Oh, wow. Go on, on the Jeff. I actually randomly was on his Instagram today. God, you know what? I don't know. What, he's, 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 I didn't realize he plays for Nice. I thought he was still at Leon, but he's, oh, he's apparently playing for Nice these days. I didn't is very, either. Uh, is very nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, there we have it. Two um, FA Cup games from the past that are due to be taking place over the next few days. Lovely, lovely. Well, we're going to talk some more about scouting now, um, but this time a bit more broadly than earlier. Um, so, Luke, I had a first question for you, and it's kind of a logistical one. Essentially. What has to happen within a club between the time a player is identified as a target to scout and the moment that that club puts in a transfer bid or a contract offer to the player? Like, what are the steps? Because there's so many people involved. And, you know, when you think of scouting um, or people who think of scouting as just somebody sort of standing on the sideline of a pitch watching a game, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? So from A to Z, could you kind of briefly walk us through um, uh, the process of assigning? I think there's quite a lot of things, different things that can happen. It can be, uh, you might be just sent to a random game, maybe to watch a single player or just to have a look at the team in general. And then you might see one or two players who think, yeah, they could fit our system and be a good player for our level. And then you would go back and rewatch them. And then the process starts from there. Or it could be they've been flagged up by data and you've watched them, or you could have watched them on video before seeing them live. Um, you get players off uh, by agents all the time. So I occasionally get asked to uh, watch a video or watch someone because we know they're available. Yeah, and as you just build up that general knowledge and then um, when you get to the transfer window, then you, you know what you're looking for and you can like look back at your older reports um, and sort of find players you've previously liked and you can sort of go back and watch them. You know, I'm not really, I'm not involved in the, the final part of the uh, transfer process. Um, I'm just more 
if we're if we're interested interested in the player, I get asked for a second opinion, or um, I might just be just looking at, like I said, random games, trying to see if there's anyone we could be interested in, or I might do my own individual um, sort of project, and then I can put forward players that I have watched previously or I'm interested in. And when you put those players forward, that would be to the chief scout, and that's then his responsibility to take it to the director of football, to the manager, to the coaches, or what's the next step? Uh, so my boss is the recruitment analyst above me, and then from it will go from him to the director of football, who's also like the head scout, essentially. And in the sense of, we're all obviously kind of unfortunately aware of... Um, as far as maybe agents, for instance, rogue agents, are you familiar with, or does it exist in the world of scouts? You've mentioned essentially agents pitching players to scouts, um, who I assume would then hope that you would write a nice report for their player. Obviously, you know, you're going to be impartial, you'd, you'd assume, and you're going to watch the game and sort of tell it as it is. But are you aware of any rogue scouts in the world of football? And if so, does that even work? Is, is you know, eventually someone's going to see the, the proof is in the pudding or not? So yeah, does that exist? The main thing I'd say, the world of football scouting, LinkedIn is a horrible place. Uh, you get lots of user people, you get ridiculous amount of play, uh, people trying to add you and messaging you about random players who like, are playing like sixth division in France and trying to get them to move to Cheltenham. And I'm like, you know, you just send me a CV and maybe, and if I'm lucky, maybe a transfer market page but there's no video or anything like that. There's nothing I can do with that. And I'm like, sorry, but there's, I, there's nothing I can do. Um, and, you know, I, get, I don't particularly deal with agents too much, but it is useful to find out if a player is available. So if I see someone message, uh, I will tend to just follow up briefly just to see if there's anything interesting because I always think you might as well follow the leads there. Um, I got offered a player a couple of days ago, last week, who looks really interesting quite a unique player who I did quite like. And I followed, I followed, up on, followed it up on video and liked the player, but wasn't that convinced. But the way the agent sells him to you, he's telling me how he's got interest from clubs all across England who above our level, how a mid-table League Two club wants to make him their starting right back. And I'm watching him and I'm like, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's good, but he's not probably not the level we're looking for. And I guess real quick, before I let one of these other guys ask you another question, from your perspective, obviously, I think traditionally people would think of uh, strength, pace, uh, power, technique, and all those kind of attributes um, to be the standouts when you're kind of observing a player and weighing up their value. Do you have any alternative traits that you kind of read between the lines for or that you value uh, above what most people might assume? Uh, so the, the England FA um, sort of they use the model in coaching and in scouting the four corner model. So you have tactical, um, technical, psychological, and physical. Maybe physical. That's the one. Um, so I, I tend to use that as a general basis. Um, it's always quite useful. But you know, as long as you're covering those four corners, you're probably on the right track. You know, I look for certain players, certain things, and certain players in like because you get the you obviously looking at players from the perspective of your whole system um, and sort of the player profile you need, not every like fullback is going to be the same because, you know, Chalam use wingbacks, for example. Um, so you're always looking at things differently. And, you know, I like players with really good mentality. Um, I like players, I'm quite like perfectionist about passing technique. Um, if a player has really clean, crisp passing, I like that a lot. Um, if people are really careless with their passing, that will turn me off them quite quickly, for example. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, 
obviously you get a lot of um, highlight reels and um, and it must be so hard to differentiate from someone who's actually got um, got the minerals to actually hack it in the English league because obviously all the highlights are going to have they're not going to show a highlight of them misplacing a pass for instance you, you said you had a, a French uh, footballer send over his stuff or potentially his highlights how do you really like bury down into the do you just look at his stats or do you just organize a trip over to France and you watch him play or do you watch a live game or no for us like that that example would be like just, there would be no real chance of following that up at all um yeah we could potentially miss out a great player but realistically the odds of that are very slim um and we're not gonna trek over to France to have a look and I we you know I don't really look at highlights videos pretty much ever um if I'm looking to a player um because they'll 99% of the time they'll be on wide scout if we're interested in them uh so I'll hop over to that and watch a couple of games or clips or at least get some sort of idea and have a quick look through their stats and all that and just a quick another quick question I, I know a few years ago I think there was a story broke out I think it was either West Ham or Southampton uh they apparently used football manager uh to kind of help is, is this something that happens in the scouting world? Can you confirm it? It's kind of clubs have actually used it in the past? Not to my knowledge. Um, I've heard of stats companies using FIFA and Football Manager for pace stats, because obviously that's something hard to quantify necessarily. And, you know, you can get a good idea of video or whatever, but it's not always ideal. But if you're looking at just purely data scouting, that's something that doesn't exist. So using FIFA or like Football Manager can be like a okay proxy obviously going to follow up afterwards but um yeah not usually like a million miles off cool as well luke you are of course in the latest football manager game which must be pretty cool have you um have you played a game on football manager and sort of signed yourself up to spurs as a scout or what, what have you done with that um so my i haven't really actually played that much football manager this year but it was very exciting to be on the game um and the one save i've done so far is in norway and virtual me is refusing to move away from Chapman. He is uh, very stuck to his roots and is currently refusing to move. So that's been quite frustrating for me. But um, my friend Tom, he's moved me to Salamanca in Spain, but he's since left. So I'm just rocking about in Spain on my own. Um, I've, someone messaged me saying they've brought me to Leeds, stuff like that. So it is very cool in that respect. Yeah, yeah no, we're, we're very jealous of you. But um, there are a a number of up-and-coming scouts within football, including yourself, of course. But um, a couple of names that spring to mind are Norwich City's uh, Mariella Nisotaki, if I'm saying that correctly. And then there's recently in the news, um, there's been the 17-year-old Ashwin Rahman, who, um, despite living in Bangalore in India, works for Dundee United. So um, so those, those are a couple of examples of um, individuals. But then when you look at actual recruitment departments, you have ones like Brentford, which obviously have a great reputation. And then, of course, at a high level, Leicester City too, obviously bringing in some fantastic players. So from your perspective, are there any scouts or scouting departments that you particularly admire or sort of strive to be like or even work for one day, perhaps? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many people coming through and like the barrier entry is so low and there's so much good work being done on Twitter at the moment and more and more people are being hired um, to clubs like sort of Rene Marich, who's the assistant manager at uh, Mitch and Gladbach is sort of the keystone example. He's sort of like the football Twitter uh, god in that respect. Um, 
I wouldn't say there's any one I particularly like a club I really aspire to move to uh, would, would want to work for. Um, but you know, like clubs like Leicester, Norwich, you both mentioned, are both excellent setups um, and two of the best scouting departments and analytics departments in general um, in the country. And I think as long as they're sort of uh, open-minded and progressive thinking, like, I'm very excited. I, I would like to get experience really wherever is possible. Well, before we um, move on to a, a little game at the end to wrap things up, I wanted to move over to, I guess, not necessarily like the negative side of scouting, but the, the, the sort of more maybe disappointing side of it, which is about talent that isn't necessarily fulfilled. So I'm going to bring up a few high profile talents who were once touted as wonder kids, but for one reason or another, never reached their full potential. So Luke, I kind of want your opinion on where it might have gone wrong for them. I'll mention the names now, and um, there's a few of them. If you just want to pick up on a couple, some of these are from back in the days, so they might not be as as relevant. Uh, the names I've got are Memphis Depay, Adnan Yanisai, uh, Moise Keane, and then some throwbacks would be uh, Bojan Kirkic and for John and I, um, Nicholas Bentner. Like I said, you don't have to necessarily weigh in on all of those, but if you wanted to maybe give your thoughts on a couple of them where it might have gone wrong, in your opinion. For me, like development of players, like it isn't like guaranteed. People sort of act like, you know, these football manager wanted kids and they're if you go with manager, they're, they're going to reach that potential. That's not always the case. Like injuries and so many factors can get involved in that. And I think Depay is probably a good example because he has progressed and now he's a very good player still. But, you know, he, at the time he did fail to live up to high expectations all the time. But I think where you transfer to and which club you are at is so important. I think people underestimate how a player can thrive in one environment and then another one completely struggling. <clears throat> and that could be just because of the environment, uh, culturally, in terms of moving to a new country, living on their own for the first time, um, having a group of players who maybe don't aid in their development the same way as the old club did, not getting on with coaches as well, just different training style, philosophy. There's so many factors involved that just because you thrive in one place doesn't mean that's necessarily going to carry over to another. And I think, you know, Depay was excellent when he was originally in Holland. And then move to Manchester United is, you know, a massive profile move. And it's difficult to live up to that level of expectation. I think Manchester United fans particularly are guilty of being particularly harsh on players. Um, and I, I often think that it isn't a great destination for younger players because of the backlash you can get so easily. Um, but I think that's the same for most big clubs. But I think as well, you know, players can look great at younger levels um, when they're breaking through. Um, especially if they're particularly athletic, but if it can catch up with you quickly, if you if even if you use a yard of pace, injuries can impact you, and just you can break through. Like Yanaza had broke through really quickly um, and was excellent in those first few games, but I never really looked at him and thought he was that excellent. He was good, obviously, but people were acting as if he was going to be the next Messi just because he scored a few goals, and you know, there's an element of luck in that and momentum but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to carry on through your, out your whole career. I mean, obviously, he, he has, um, he's doing well now and has sort of not met the high expectations he had, but he has done well. Yeah, he's definitely surpassed the, the Kiko Machedas of this, uh, of this world, at, at the very least. Um, before we do jump into that game, I guess I had just one question that sprung to mind for you, Luke, about specialty players, if that means anything to you. I'm kind of talking about Adama Traore, uh, maybe someone like a Gilfie Sigurdsson, someone who has just one aspect of their game, pace, set-piece delivery, or whatever it is, even Jorginho with his penalty-taking. Um, how highly 
do you value a specialty trait like that? And just how incredible does one aspect of your game have to be to for you know a manager, a scout, whatever, to overlook the the weaknesses in the other fundamentals? Uh, my my sort of philosophy on this is that like in, in academies, you'll usually tell players that like you should have one super strength, something you're incredible at, and then everything else should be you're trying to improve, but it doesn't, you know, it's not going to be as good as your one thing. And, and you get players who don't, you look at them and everyone has that one thing, they're excellent at. And I've talked about this before, sort of like, um, if you look at like uh, Burnley centre-halves, you could probably call them world-class at heading, heading or blocking the ball. It's such a, like a minor part of the game, um, but the rest of the game is okay. It's good, but not fairly limited in terms of they're not going to move to a higher club. But I think in terms of like the specialist players, if you can be world-class in one, it could be something really small or it could be something quite significant like an um, if you use If you use that correctly in the right profile and the right system, you can be a really effective player. But like I was talking about before in terms of environment and the right club, if you move to the wrong club or the system changes and you don't no longer fit it and you're in a really hard place. Um, and I would look at it as in for a team, you can probably have, one or two, maybe three at a push, specialist players. Um, but you really got to build the system around them and they really need to be that, have that much effect on the team when they're used correctly. Um, otherwise, you definitely need like a nice mix of uh, well-rounded players. Like um, I really like Liverpool's midfield, that sort of industrial type where they can sort of do everything. But a lot of people underrate them just because they aren't that sort of Hollywood name or like Hollywood showcase that you might see from like, PSG's midfield or Man City's. Yeah, no, that's very true. I guess they they just bought Thiago, didn't they? He's had a bit of a injury disrupted start, but I I know exactly what you mean there. But um, as I think Kaitel alluded to a bit earlier, we've got one sort of game either or type thing that we're going to end um, this episode with, and unsurprisingly, it's all about Wonder Kids. Or Wonder Kids is loose. It's basically an under 23 team we're going to come up with and you're all going to have a chance to essentially choose your your favorite player out of two options for each position so i'll start well luke if you give the answer to the first position so we're going to start with the goalie and then john and kai can follow but your two choices for the goalie are athletic bilbao's unai simon or jean luigi donnarumma who are you going to go with uh, i'll go with donnarumma i don't i don't watch too many uh, they don't really analyse goalkeepers very closely, but um, I've definitely been really keen on him when I've first seen him. Fantastic. Okay, so Donnarumma's got one vote. Kaitel, who are you going with? Uh, I mean, I've heard good stuff recently about that Unai Simon guy, but his predecessor was Kepa, so maybe not the best shoes to follow in. Um, it's got to be uh, Gigi Donnarumma. I don't think a goalkeeper's ever been this hyped from such a young age. Yeah, good, good answer, Johnny. Are we gonna? Is this gonna be three out of three for Gianluigi? It's gonna be a full sweep. Uh, yeah, Donnarumma. Like he was in the first team when he was what 16, 17, something ridiculous. Yeah, something, uh, yeah. something ridiculous like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be him. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll stick on you, John, for the right back. And there's so many good right backs. I've tried to not go for maybe the most obvious ones, but still very, very good ones. So. Your choice is between Reese James of Chelsea or Ashraf Hakimi at Inter Milan. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, Reece, to be fair, Chelsea haven't been doing well recently, uh, but obviously that's not all Reese James's fault. 
Uh, I think he's such a good talent, Reese James. And I haven't seen much of Hakimi, so I'm going to stick with Reese James. Okay, Reese James. Luke, how about you? Are you a James fan or are you an Ashraf fan? Or both? Um, I, re- I really like both. And I'm, I'm going to be boring and say that like all these decisions would normally depend massively on the system we're playing. But um, <laughs> I would probably go for Reese James. Cool. Okay. Nice one. And Kai, it's down to you. Is it is it a full sweep for Reese James? Or does, does Ashraf get a consolation goal here? Maybe it's not fair on Reese James that I've seen more of him play. So in that sense, I've seen more of his mistakes, if, if you get that. But honestly, I have to go for Hakimi. The guy gets up and down the wing like a maniac. And as far as I can tell, his footballing brain is more developed than Reese James, who I think has the physical and technical ability to be one of the best right backs in the world I just don't know if he's switched on enough so I'm gonna go for Hakimi nice I reckon I would have gone for him too so that's two all for that one but now we're um we're gonna do center back so instead well you basically Kyle we'll start with you and I'll give you four names and you pick two of them so I've got Mateus Delict, Wesley Fofana um Alessandro Bastoni he's doing well at Inter Milan and then finally Dio Upamecano if I've said that right that's quite tricky to pick just two. I think you have to pick Delict because he's kind of like that generational talent, kind of how we were talking about Donnarumma earlier. I feel like Delict is that center back. Um, then I like a bit of balance. I'm tempted to go for Bastoni because I am aware of the fact that he's a left footer um, from how much FIFA and football manager I've played. But uh, maybe a Pamacano because he's kind of flavor of the month and looks like he's about to get a big move somewhere. So I'll go for those two. Nice. Nice. I feel like he's sort of been flavour of the year at Pamacano. I mean, it's it's only a matter of time before he gets a big move. But um, John, who who are the two you're going for out of Delict, Fafana, Bastoni, and a, a Pamacano? I mean, Delict is just he's just a centre back every every club wants. You know, what I mean, like so passionate and just so he's got everything there. Like bravery. He's also technically good as well. And he looks great next to Cristiano Ronaldo. Like he's going to dominate European football for a long, in terms of centre backs and stuff for a long time. But so yeah, Delit, and uh, I'm going to go for Fafana because I saw him play recently and he was very good. And Upamecano, I swear Arsenal have been linked with this this Upamecano guy for yeah, we're not going to years. Get him. We're not. Gonna we're never going to get him. We're <laughs> never going to get him. But yeah, so Wesley Fafana and um, Delit for me. Nice. Yeah, no, I mean, for Fana, I've got to say, from what I've seen of him for Leicester, he looks bloody brilliant. But uh, Luke, it's your turn. Who, who are the two you're picking out of those four guys? I'm the same. I'd also go for Delit and uh, Fafana. Fafana's stepped up really well and it's just been really dominant whenever I've seen him. And then Delit is just excellent. And uh, in terms of the other two, I like Bastoni. Uh, I was tempted by him just because he's left-footed. Um, and then Upamecano, I like, but I am one of his critics, I'd say. Interesting. Now it's the turn of the left backs. Luke, we'll, we'll start with you. And these are two fantastic players, to be honest. Um, Alfonso Davis or Teo Hernandez? No, the tough one. Um, I haven't seen enough of Teo Hernandez as I would have liked. Um, I think I have to go for Alfonso Davies. He's one of my favourite players. Man. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. We love him on the podcast. Kai, um, I think I might know your answer, but Davis or Hernandez? I don't even know if I know my answer. Honestly, like I'm going to be controversial and say Hernandez just because of the impact that he has on the team versus necessarily maybe the impact that Alab- uh, that um sorry, um Fonzie Davies has on the team. 
um, just because the goals, the amount of goals that this left back Hernandez has contributed to AC Milan, who are fighting for Serie A, and you know between him and Zlatan, they may be two of the major components that allow them to topple Juventus. So I'm going to go for Hernandez, also based off of the fact that he flopped at Real Madrid and has had to salvage his career, and is doing that. Um, good. So- good answer. I wasn't expecting it, but I like the answer. John Alfonso Davis or Teo Hernandez. Joe, sign me up to the Alfonso Davis fan club. I oh. love that guy and I love the content he churns out as well. <laughs> like, yeah. It's incredible. Luke, is that something you look for in a player as well? <laughs> like his TikTok ability? <laughs> uh, not so much at our level. I, I don't, I'm not aware of any of our players on TikTok, but maybe I should check. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, you can put that forward to your um, recruitment analyst boss. We need to start monitoring their TikTok pages. But okay, we've got our defence sort of, but now we're on to the attacking players. So we'll do it a bit quicker now. We'll stay with John. Um, so for right mid, Jaden Sancho or Christian Pulisic? I'm going to be controversial and go for Pulisic. I think he's he's a brilliant player. He's having, Chelsea are having a tough time. I think he just needs that uh, manager to unlock him, really. I think I've, I've seen so many flashes of brilliance from him, and I think he just needs a bit more time. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Pulisic. Nice. OK, Pulisic. Um, Luke, Sancho or Pulisic? Again, I really like both, but I'm going to have to go for Sancho. I think he, he can just do everything. And in my mind, he's going to be like another level at the top, really. Nice. Fantastic. OK, Kaitel, what about you? Um, I think again, I'll maybe be a bit controversial. I'm gonna go for Pulisic, the guy, the boy from Hershey, just because I think I think the idea of Pulisic is actually better than Pulisic himself. But the idea of Pulisic is pretty great. So, um, yeah, I, in theory, he's great. That's my choice. Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I obviously don't really want to like him because at Chelsea, but when he gets going, he's he's pretty damn good. Okay, centre midfield time. I've got one CM option, one DM option. We'll start with the CMs. Um, it's a bit of an El Clasico choice here, Kai. Federico Valverde of Real Madrid or Frankie de Jong of Barcelona? I don't know if I, if I could call de Jong a, a, a DM. So if we're going to go on the DM... This is, cent- this is centimid. Oh, this is centimid. Yeah. It's got to be Frankie de Jong because he's bloody underrated and so, so, so good having to step into like, you know, a Barcelona midfield that is expected to be one of the best midfields ever. And I think he's really good. Nice. John, what about you? Which one's your man? Or, or yeah. boy, youngster. <laughs> youngster. <laughs> it's got to be Frankie. <laughs> Frankie. Uh, just, he's just an absolute baller, isn't he? So, I mean, I don't have to say, We all know he's a baller. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Luke, what about you? Uh, I'm also De Jong. Uh, I think he's sort of gone out of the spotlight a bit in the recent, like this season and last season. Uh, but he is exceptional, one of my favorite players. But I would, I would put him in the defensive field category to disagree with them. <laughs> nice i'm i'm going off i think it's transfer markets rating so we'll have to take it up with them but for the um luke we'll stay with you for the defensive midfielder position it's a it's the battle of two premier league players so declan rice of west ham or one of the portuguese contingent at wolves in ruben neves oh, this is easily rice uh, i'm a huge fan of him and i'm a bit skeptical of neves fair enough fair enough Kaitel, who are you going to go for also, Declan Rice, I see a lot of negative stuff written and said about him. Every time I've seen him play, he gives 110% and is the best player on the pitch, typically. Um, Neves, 
is one of those guys who like from football manager is in theory supposed to become like the next best defensive midfielder in the world. And all I've seen is him score some bangers, which is very impressive, but I have no idea what type of defensive midfielder he is. So I'm going to go for Declan Rice. Nice one. John, are we going to get any Ruben Neves love from you? None at all. Decker's Rice all the way. What a baller. And if he could just quieten down and stop shouting about that friendship with Mason Mount, I think he'll put me put his standing a lot higher with me. But he is an absolute baller. And I would love to see him at Arsenal one day. But yeah, good friends oh, with Mason Mount. Apparently, you know, not a lot of people know. Oh, I think that's probably why I don't like him. I probably don't rate him because he's friends with Mason Mount. Um, but yeah, I'm also probably... The, the Ruben Neves bangers probably um, make me bash towards him. But left midfielder, it's another battle of El Clasico. John, we'll stay with you. Are we going to go with Ansu Fati or Vinicius? Oh, it's tough, but I'm going to go with... Do you know what? I'm going to go for, with Vinicius. I'm going to go with Vinicius. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Benzema badmouthed him fairly recently. I think that he gets your 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 vote. Luke, gets my who, vote. Yeah, Luke, who are you going to go with? Um, I haven't watched either enough, but I'll go for I'll go for Fatty mainly because Benzema is one of my favourite players, and if he doesn't like Vinicius, neither do I. <laughs> nice one. How about you, Kai? Who's your vote for? Ansu Fatty is my vote. Uh, Vinicius, I don't know what he's all about, but Fatty's going to be quality. Mark my oh, words. Mark my words. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kai. I love Ansu Fati. He looks incredible. Um, okay, so we'll stay with you, Kai. Again, a bit like the centre-back situation. I'll give you four sort of strikers, a mixture of maybe centre-forwards and sort of second strikers, and you can um, give me two of them. So I want out of Kylian Mbappe. Um, yeah, he probably will be picked. Lotaro Martinez, Erling Haaland, and then Atletico Madrid's Jao Felix. All right. Well, what's... Who was that? Lotaro Martinez can just leave this conversation as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. No, I mean, he's a brilliant player, but uh, Haaland, yes. Although I I guess, yeah, I'm going to choose Haaland before I choose Mbappe. So the second one's just for the sake of balance. And um, I think given that I would have to choose Mbappe, but Zhao Felix is a player who I like a lot and I'm excited to see the trajectory that his career takes. But Haaland and Mbappe. Cool. John, does Felix or even Lautaro Martinez sneak into your two, or are you going to go with Kaitels? I mean, I'm very impressed with Martinez and Charles Felix, but I mean, it's got to be Mbappe and Haaland. So you can't. I mean, both incredible strikers at such a young age. So, yeah, those two. Yeah, no, they are pretty incredible. And then we'll, we'll end it with our guest today, Luke. Who, who are your two? I, I'm torn. I think I'm going to go for. Harland and Zhao Felix. Um, mm. I really don't want to leave Mbappe out, but I I don't think him and Harland, I wouldn't put them both in the team. So it's, Zhao Felix was all my definite, and then it was between the other two, and I think, I feel like Harland would do better. Brilliant. I mean, yeah, it's been fun discussing these players. I mean, they're all pretty damn incredible. But yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to do. Obviously, some already like Mbappe have done a lot. Others we're, we're yet to see too much from. But yeah, exciting times for all of them. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, we didn't necessarily come up with one definitive starting 11, but if you sort of aggregated our picks, it would be interesting to see how that team did in a top flight or in a, in a Champions League competition because pretty damn good. <laughs> but anyway, like I mentioned earlier, that was kind of the wrap-up for this episode. I do want to say thanks to my co-host, Joe. Uh, thank you to John as well for joining. And then a very special thank you to Luke 
it's been an absolute pleasure having you and yeah we hope that you enjoyed being our guest yeah definitely thank you very much for having me guys before we do let you go besides as joe mentioned earlier uh besides signing you as a scout on football manager 2021 how can our listeners best follow you otherwise and keep up to date with griffin football everything that's going on with that yeah, so I'm very active on Twitter, which is uh, at Griffin Football, football spelled F-T-B-L. And then uh, I'm also, my other accounts I use are at Target Scouting underscore and the Anti-Football Podcast, which is at underscore Anti-Football underscore. Brilliant. Well, thanks again, Luke. We, yeah, loved having you as our guest. On uh, our end of things, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please do make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at UnitedMatesFP. That's the handle. And then if you'd like to put some faces to the voices, you can find everything on YouTube. Just search for the United Mates football podcast and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye. <laughs>